0: Good afternoon, folks. It's that time again, time for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM and Talk 99.1 FM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and I'm joined here in studio today by my trusty executive director, John Snader, and Dazzy Daryl Grandy, again, our producer, the guy that makes all of this happen. <coughs> folks, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Hope you had plenty to eat, enjoyed your time with the family, and uh, now resting up this weekend watching college football, and getting ready for the Christmas holidays. But you know what else will be coming soon? 2024. And presidential elections, United States Senate elections, all of our federal elections, as well as our state Senate and state House. So there is a lot to look forward here into 2024. And that's why I am so happy and pleased to introduce our guest, who's joining us by phone, and that would be Guy Scirocchi. Guy is a senior fellow with the Commonwealth Foundation and also a columnist for Broad and Liberty and Real Clear PA, where he focuses on the politics of the suburbs. He's a frequent radio guest across Pennsylvania. He's been on this show before, as well as in Greater Philadelphia with Chris Stegall, Rich Zioli, Dom Giordano, and Don Stensland. And his best has been interviewed by and written for numerous national publications, as well as television news programs and podcasts. And Guy is interviewed by those folks because he knows what he's talking about. In 2022, he was the Republican nominee for the U.S. Congress in Pennsylvania at six. Fell a little bit short, but he led the ticket. And from 2014 to 2021, Guy served as the CEO of the Chester County Chamber of Business and Industry. He was a leader of the 2021 Vote Yes campaign, which regained our liberties by amending the Pennsylvania Constitution. Folks, welcome to the show, Guy
1: Shiraki. Hey, Guy, great to have you here. Thank you, uh, Sam. Gee, if there's any time left after that long, <laughs> not even my mom would give me such an introduction. So thank you.
0: Well, to- hey, well, well, we're expecting big things out of you. you know. I'll tell you, guy, I've told you this before, and this isn't uh, gratuitous, but when you were looking at potentially running for, for governor in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I sat down with you, I mean, you had probably the best ideas and were able to articulate them out of any of the candidates that we had looked at putting up. And uh, I think that was the genesis of the beginning of the relationship that you and I have had. And I can't tell you uh, how much I respect your work and respect what you do and, and look forward to hearing from you. And, and that's why I wanted you to, to come on the show today to talk to our listeners and uh, talk about some of these topics that you and I have discussed offline, you know, about the need that the Republican Party as well as the general electorate needs to do to look forward and have a successful 2024. So thanks again for joining us.
1: I really, no, I appreciate the kind words and appreciate the opportunity. Uh, each time, each time that I get to write a column or to discuss it, uh, on the radio, for me, it's not only in the time, uh, or an opportunity to share ideas, but I learn a great deal, uh, from the questions, uh, and the conversation that I have with the host. So thanks for another opportunity.
0: Well, listen. I, you know, I, I'm glad that other folks were able to teach you something. I don't know you'll be able to glean anything from me today. I mean, again, it, it's falling Thanksgiving. Uh, my expectations. Please set that bar low. But hey, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it is great to have you. And I guess we can jump right in and just talk about what happened here in the state of Pennsylvania, or Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, here in this past November seventh election. And that was, we suffered a stunning uh, statewide defeat. All four of our judicial candidates went down. And there sort of a blue wave, you know, not just across the state, but across the nation again, following what happened in 2022. And I think there's a couple common similarities there. And, you know, one of, the, I guess the two are, one, the issue of abortion, you know, which the uh, Dan McCaffrey, the Supreme Court candidate for the Democrats here in Pennsylvania, played up extensively, you know, in commercials smearing the... Republican candidate, uh, Carolyn Carluccia, with, and then also, again, Republicans' failure, again, to utilize mail-in ballots or early voting to be able to turn out our low and mid-propensity Republican voters. And I guess, you know, the one begets the other, right? If we don't get our voters out, you know, the issues that bring out the other sides— is going to make the difference. And I think that may have been what happened.
1: Yeah. So so thanks for the chance to talk about it, because it's important to think about this past election, but with the eye towards the next one. Every election is important because of the candidates who are running and the platforms they're running on. They're also important because, as you rightly turn, uh, point out, the next election is always coming. So It's important for particularly Republicans who have not been as successful as they need to be to look at what happened and take lessons learned and move on. You know, it's sort of like sort of like football. You know, you you play on Sunday or Monday and then you've got to either celebrate the win or or look to the loss and think, what are the lessons learned? And you can't really uh, lick your wounds. You've got to go on and say, gee, there's another game six or seven days away. Mm -hmm. And in politics, for better or worse, there's always the next election. So I've been looking at why do we keep falling short? And if you step back uh, and look at it, look, some of it may be obvious, but we need to say it out loud. You need to uh, embrace it. One is uh, we we need to make sure that we have the right message for voters. The second is is that we need to make sure that we're doing the things that once we connect with a voter, uh, that we encourage that voter and get every supporter to the polls. And the third is, look, we need the resources, we need the dollars to make sure that we can get our message to voters and encourage them to get to the polls. And while in some ways it's more complicated than that, It really starts out with those three elements. You have to have the right message. You have to incentivize and get your voters to the polls. And in order to do that, you need resources. And I'll just simply say on mail-in, the good and the bad news for Republicans uh, is that we are not really competing. We are so overwhelmed uh, because the Democrats are so focusing on getting voters to vote by mail in and Republicans aren't that it's the deficit is overwhelming. This past cycle, it was about a five to one advantage. In this election, you mentioned the Supreme Court. So let's take the Supreme Court race as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Democratic candidate, uh, Judge McCaffrey, beat the Republican candidate, Judge Carluccio. The uh, McCaffrey beat Carluccio by about 250,000 votes. But in mail in, Judge McCaffrey beat Judge Carluccio by about 510,000 votes. So the deficit uh, that the Republican lost by uh, of 250,000 was far outpaced by the deficit in mail-in of 500,000. Put another way, uh, Republicans are very good at winning on Election Day. We're just really, really bad at voting by mail, and we can't catch up. So that's why, uh, you know, I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because we're losing, but we're not even really trying. We're being so far outpaced that that it is making it almost impossible for our candidates to win on Election Day. So we need to take that as an important lesson that is in our control that we can try to change as a party uh, if we hope to win in the future.
0: Right, and but one of the things that I want to emphasize is for our listeners who are Republicans who don't like mail-in voting, is they need to understand that it's not just about mail-in voting. <clears throat> the, the mail-in votes count because those are actually Democrat voters who are taking and voting, they're just using mail to do so. So the Democrats sure. are doing much better job at getting their low and mid propensity voters to vote. They're just using the mechanism of mail by which to do so. So when we look at this and we say, well, we won the election day vote but we lost the mail-in vote, you know, yes, that's all true, but at the same time it just shows the Democrats have got more of their voters out to vote albeit by two different methods as opposed to us typically focusing on the one. And that needs to change if we hope to be successful here in 2024 or at least the 5 to 1 margin does.
1: Sure, no, it's an excellent point, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, wh- whether you walk to the polls, drive to the polls, Uber to the polls, take the bus to the polls, or vote by mail, uh, we, we as Republicans need to make sure that every person sitting at home, every person in the, in the area, whether it's a, a municipal election, a county election, or statewide, we as Republicans need to make sure that every voter that supports us and wants our candidates to win gets to the polls, votes, and whether that's by mail or in person. And what we've found for, for many people is, is that voting by mail is easier. And from our standpoint, it's a vote that's in the bank. Right. Uh, You know, to to oversimplify it for your listeners, we'll exaggerate. If you you are running for town council and you thought you need 100 votes to win, if you could get 50 Republicans to vote in October, then you only have to worry about getting the other 50 to the polls on election day. What's happening now, to exaggerate the point, again, in our sort of hypothetical race. If we're running a race for town council and we need 100 votes, we're getting about 10 voters to vote in October. So we have to get 90 to the polls on election day. Meanwhile, our Democratic friends looking for that same 100 votes get about 60 votes in October, and they only have to get 40 voters to the polls on election day. Mm -hmm. Their job is much easier. And there's a second thing is that we talked about at the beginning, Elections cost money. Uh, all those uh, pieces of mail you get, the postcards, the letters, the ads that pop up on your computer screen or your phone, uh, the text messages you receive. Campaigns and political parties have to spend money to do that. If we know that Guy Shiraki's already voted uh, and that Guy Shiraki cast his ballot in the town council race, you know, our hypothetical race. Mm -hmm. If we know that Guy Shiraki sent in his ballot on October 10th, we don't have to send him any more mail. We don't have to put any of those pop-up ads on his computer, and we don't have to send him a text message. And if you multiply that by hundreds or thousands of voters, it becomes uh, less expensive to run the race. And since Democrats typically outspend Republicans two, three, or four to one, It helps Republicans be more competitive because we're chasing less voters to get them to the polls. So the bottom line is this. You're right. The candidate that gets the most votes wins. It doesn't really matter whether you vote by mail or vote in person. But if you vote by mail, your vote is in the bank and you've helped your team because they get to save money to focus on your neighbor and look at it as a positive way. We'll stop bothering you with mail and text messages so you can be doubly motivated. You get to vote for your candidate and maybe you'll get a few less, uh, you'll get a few less campaign, uh, literature pieces.
0: And see that you hit the nail on the head oh. there is uh, you talk about and hey, we'll stop bothering them. And you know, I talk to my Democrat friends and I say, well, how do you guys get these people, you know, to vote by mail and to get their ballots in and things like that? And they say basically they torture them. Okay. They call sure. them, they call them relentlessly. If they don't get the response there, they knock on the doors, but they do whatever it takes to get them to return those ballots and they tell them, you know, hey, I'll return your ballot, we'll stop bothering you. Okay. But you're right. We don't have to send a mailer to someone who's already voted. We don't have to knock on their door. We don't have to make a phone call to those homes, you know, and that allows us to spend our money more cost effectively. And when we're outspent, as you pointed out, two or three to one, you know, we could certainly use any opportunity to spend the money more judiciously or more cost effectively. And again, everyone has limited resources, but what mail-in voting has done has, has opened up the uh, opportunity for the other side to take their limited resources and and utilize them for 50 days Early voting. Well, our folks, you know, they say hi and yes, they'll take a yard sign or something like that. But they don't go and put that vote in the bank, which requires us to just bust our rear ends and hope, hope that on election day they'll all go to the polls. And as the results are showing, all of them don't. That's the frustrating part.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, many folks like me and you that have talked about, you know, we use we again, you know, I, I use my my town council race. Use it another way. You know, it's a hundred yard dash. Well, if it's a 100-yard dash and, and the Republican has to start at the starting blocks, but the Democrats at the 50-yard line, when the starter's gun goes off, more often than not, the, the person who starts 50 yards ahead is going to win. So it, it, it's making it hard for us because it's putting it there. And then look, again, uh, I have a family. I work. I have kids. Um, you know, my mom my mom lives with us. I share those things to say, in other words, life happens. Mm-hmm. You have to take your parents' to the doctors. You have to take your kids to the doctors. You get called into a work meeting. You get stuck at the office, uh, for those of us who still go into offices and work. But in other words, things happen. And even though you woke up on election day, or you went to bed the night before election day, and you really plan to go to the polls, and you're a good voter, things happen and get in the way. And all of a sudden, you didn't vote. Things come up. And, and in races, you know, look in Allegheny County, where all of you worked so hard and built so many bridges uh, with, with sensible Democrats and, and were successful in the in the DA's race and also very close in the county executive. I wonder how many voters that, that plan to get up and vote for Joe Rocky that on election day something happened at work or with their family uh, or business or travel. You know, they were at a business meeting in, in Minneapolis and they missed their flight or the flight was delayed and they didn't get back. I wonder how many dozens or hundreds or thousands of people woke up uh, intending to vote and for some reason didn't make it, and it made all the difference. So it really does matter that if you know you you know the candidates you're going to support, to bank that vote so that the vote is in there, so that if something happens on election day and you don't get to vote, you don't lose the opportunity, and that your vote and your voice isn't taken away. And again, it it saves us money because there's less people we have to chase or call or knock on their doors on election day. Uh, Look, it's a tool that's here. And, And the other thing is this, it's a tool that's here, and whether some of us wish it wasn't, the reality is it's here. And what's happened now since 2020 is the Democrats are the only one using this tool. By and large, Republicans aren't. And we've been winning uh, all too few races and losing a whole bunch really, really close. Uh, and I wish we would take advantage of this so that we could close that gap uh, so that we have more victories and don't look at one or two or three point losses and wonder what we could have done differently when we realized that that hundreds or thousands of our supporters really wanted us to win but weren't able to vote.
0: Well, and you're spot on. I mean, I've said this at least a dozen times on this show. You know, you talked about life getting in the way. You know, they've done studies. Uh, every inch of rain will depress turnout by 1%. Your every inch of snow depresses turnout by half a percent. You know, your, the, the kids, you know, they get the kids get sick, you get sick, have to work overtime, have to go out of town. You know, whatever may, whatever happens, like I said, life happens and gets in the way sometimes. But it's like, what do we have to do to get through to folks? And you talk about our local race. One of the things that pains me about the losing the county executive race is we were able to build coalitions, you know, with moderate Democrats, folks that were concerned about what turning the county over to a socialist would mean. And Joe Rocky, I mean, did a phenomenal job, worked incredibly hard, raised a ton of money, but ended up with 177,000 votes. Now, this was the closest election for county executive we've had since 1999, but there are 255,000 registered Republicans in Allegheny County. If they would have come out at a 73% uh, turnout, and that's not counting the tens of thousands of Democrat votes we got, but that alone would have been enough to win that race, but they didn't. So the question that all of us as leaders struggle with is how do we break through to the folks and say, yeah, are you tired of losing yet?
1: Yeah. Well, I think sometimes, too, when, when we, you look at a race or, or you know, they, they talk about it, you know, folks talk about races on the radio or television. There's this, you know, sometimes, uh, particularly in close races, you look back and say, gee, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, why, why didn't it work? And what you find is, particularly in a race like, like the one you referenced with Joe Rocky, is to, to, to pay any attention, to, to meet Joe or to read his resume or, or, or listen to what he was saying. I'm sure that there were thousands of people who when they saw his biography or, or heard his message or read about him, they shook their heads and, and said, Yeah, I, I like this guy. I like this guy. The problem is that thousands of them uh felt that way in September, they felt that way in October and one reason or another, they didn't get to the polls. And then, the, and then on Wednesday or Thursday after the election, they said, gee, that's a shame. He seemed like a good guy, but they didn't make it to the polls. And, and to your point, I'm not mad at those people, I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying that. Gosh, you now have this opportunity through mail-in that, that if you reach a point as a voter in September, October, where you say this is the guy I want, and I want to make sure he he wins, you have the opportunity to fill out a mail-in ballot application, which literally takes uh, ninety seconds to do online. It will show up in your mailbox. You can complete it and then drop it off and know that your vote uh, know that your vote has been cast. You know, so sometimes the challenge is. Not winning over people who aren't supporting you, it's getting the people who actually support you to vote because you point out there there are most likely thousands of people across allegheny county that that knew Joe Rocky and liked Joe Rocky and wanted him to win, uh, but for one reason or another didn't cast their ballot, and that's the unfortunate part, uh, especially when you come oh so close so We need to begin to turn this around and encourage more of our people to come to the polls. And mail-in balloting is one of the ways to do it. And it's one way to know that you've you've cast your vote. And no matter what happens on Election Day, your vote's been counted, your vote's been filed. And also understand, in a sense, honestly, you're doing the party two favors, uh, two two ways you're helping. It's almost like you're voting and making a financial contribution. If you cast your vote in October, you have not only giving the candidate or the candidates you like a vote, but you're saving the candidates and you're saving the party money. It's almost like making a $25 contribution. Now, of course, you should still do that and give even more to the the Republican (laughs) Party. Thank you, guys. If you can. But, but you're also saving the money that the party raises because if, if 50,000, uh, Allegheny County Republicans vote early by mail, that means the money that the party's able to raise can be used on the voters who haven't yet voted. So you, you've in essence given them a contribution because then the money can be spent, uh, on the few voters that haven't already voted. So I really hope that as a party we embrace it because it's a it's a real missed opportunity if we don't. And we've had so many great candidates that have come within a few points of winning. It's it's a shame, and, and I don't want to come back on the radio uh, in 2024 or 2025 and talk about other close calls where just a few hundred or a few thousand votes would have made the difference. I want to know that we've done everything we can so that our supporters cast their vote.
0: No, I, I I couldn't agree more. And you know the, the the challenge for leaders, you know, gets larger and larger every time, every election cycle, because the Democrats get better and better every election cycle. You know, they took they've taken this initial lead they had in the mail and ballots, and they continue to build on it. You know, growing it every cycle. And we, on the other hand, we seem to be continuing to try to start almost from scratch. You know, here in Allegheny County, we we recognized a 17 percent increase in the number of Republicans requesting mail and ballot applications from 2021, you know, but they ended up returning less than they did last year, only 77% to 84%. And that's because we ran out of money to be able to chase these things. You know, despite sending out probably 300,000 text messages, you know, and pieces of mail, uh, you know, they just, for whatever reason, you know, that interest wasn't there or, you know, something got in the way. Now we don't have the final statistics in, so I don't know, How many of those voters took their ballot into the polls and voted in person? Or how many people, how many of those voters, their ballot may have been one of the couple thousand that came back late, were delivered after 8 p.m. on election night. So we'll have to I'll have to get that information. We'll have to look at it. But right now, in the initial information that we have, I mean it's concerning. And you know, again, I'm I'm a big believer in not wasting time. I tell people that I'm lazy and I say I'm lazy. That means I only want to do things once. So let's do it right the first time. Okay. So I want to utilize best practices and things of that nature to do what it is that we can. And I'm always open for ideas. But again, it's frustrating when you see in this race in particular, you know, Joe Rocky raised over $2.3 million. I think a 501 C4 that was out there raised, you know, 1.2, 1.5. There were commercials every time you turned around. They were on the television and things like that. So it's not like folks can say, well, I didn't know there was an election or I didn't know anything about the candidates. It was all covered extensively, you know, both on local news as well as in local media and like newspapers and things. So it's just that for whatever reason, you know, folks aren't taking and voting. And then therein lies the challenge. And, you know, when our opponent, and you said this yesterday, Guy, when we spoke offline, that, you know, they, they have more money than us. They have a better GOTV operation than us. You know, they... Unfortunately, from a messaging perspective, they come up with a way to put their messages on a bumper sticker, whereas you know we need a, a white paper to explain our positions. Okay, right. uh, So we are—I feel like Sisyphus trying to push that boulder up the hill. You know, and uh, we need to do things a little bit better.
1: Right, and th- and that's why I go back to sort of you know the, the, the football analogy. Um, you know, the games played Sunday. And, and you know you need to heal and regroup, but then you know the next game's coming next Sunday, and and in elections, you know we know that elections are coming in 2024, and we're going to elect a president and the United States senator and members of Congress and and the state house and our attorney general and all sorts of really important things that impact our lives and our livelihoods uh, and, the, and, the, and and you know the the future of our country, and so we're duty bound as a party to do some soul searching and say what worked and what didn't, what were the things we did that worked and what didn't. And you're right. One thing is we we have to do a better job of communicating what we believe to voters. We have to raise enough money so that voters actually hear and see and understand what we believe. But the other thing is we have to do a better job of getting our supporters to the polls. I mean, after you make your case to the voters, there are people sitting in their homes, in their cars, on the train, on the bus, going to work uh, that that you've touched, that you've affected, that say, "Okay, I agree with you," or "Your candidate is better than the other candidate." The Republican's better than the Democrat. After we've made that connection, we've got to do a better job of getting the, more of those people to the polls. Mm-hmm. So, there's no one single thing that 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 you know. Gee, do this? It's not like you know, take this pill and a glass of water, and you'll be fine. It's a little more complicated, but it's not overly complicated. We need to make sure we have the right message delivered to the right voters and that we encourage those voters to get to the polls and everyone who's a supporter, as many of them as possible to get to the polls, because there's no there's no sense winning somebody's heart and mind but having them sit at the cap, sit on their couch or having them busy at work, uh, working until seven, eight, nine o'clock at night on an important project or you know something for a customer. And they didn't get to the polls. That's why we need to bank the vote ahead of time. And in states that do it, the results are very, very different. In states like Florida, uh, they're very, very different. Uh, and in states across the country where Republicans participate, you know, here in Pennsylvania, the Democrats generally do better than us almost five to one. In well, God, where it's more even, we do better. Uh, and our candidates win and we can learn from
0: them. Well, we're going to talk more about how we can win here. Right after the break, we folks we have to take a break to pay the bills. This is Sam DeMarco the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Folks, welcome back to the Elephant in the Room again. I'm Sam DeMarco, we're joined on the phone here by Guy Shiraki. and Guy, we were just talking about in the last segment here about the things that we need to change if we hope to be successful here uh, as Republicans in t- in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 2024.
1: Yeah. And and look, it's pretty basic. And I think that if, you know, I'm sure as you talk to uh, committee people and volunteers, uh, you know, you have a lot of ideas and people have a lot of suggestions. But it really comes down to this. You know, what what are we for as a party or or for the men and women running uh, next year, whether they're running for president, governor or Congress? You know, what are you running for? You know, what are the reasons that motivate you? What would you do when you win? Uh, Not simply, as you and I've talked about in other shows, not simply about what the other side has done wrong. We could talk for hours about what they've done wrong, but we need to talk about what we would do differently, what we would do better. And then the second part is once you've made your case to voters, find out who the voters are that are supporting us and get as many of them to the polls as possible. And to do those things, of course, you need to be able to raise the money to share the message. Uh, and encourage and make it easy for people to get to the polls and, and, and contact them and urge them to get to the polls. So at a, at a basic level, that's it. You have to have the right message. You have to deliver it to the right voters. You have to get more of your supporters to the polls than the other side. Uh, and, and we need to do each of those things better. I think working on mail-in is the easiest because it's, it's in our control uh, the ability to contact voters and the ability uh, of supporters to vote early. Some of the other stuff is more complicated, but it's important to do. I mean, we're in politics. We, one of the reasons we talk about how to win elections and talk about things like mail-in voting and knocking on doors is not because it's a game and it's fun to win, In that it's not like a football game. It's not just about the cheering and the celebration. It is about ideas. It is about policies that impact our kids' schools. Our our safety, our safety from crime, our safety from enemies around the world, our quality of life. So as Republicans, we want to win, not because it's fun to win, but because there are things that we would like to do that we think would improve our schools, improve our community, and make our nation uh, stronger. And that's why we learn how to run campaigns. We learn to run to win so that we can do the things to do the good we'd actually like to put in place.
0: See, I've I've always told folks that I believe that when people go to the polls on election day or as today when they vote by mail, you know, they make their selection and they try to do it to your point based upon a positive, okay, that somehow, some way they believe that their vote is going to help improve their lives, the lives of their children or their grandchildren. But again, it's a positive choice as opposed to a negative. So I couldn't agree more with you in regards to messaging. But we run into these storms, and I'll use the county executive race as an example here. Now, maybe Joe Rocky losing was a a byproduct of the fact that Democrats outnumber Republicans in the county by almost two to one. But Joe spoke to the message that Allegheny County voters were most concerned with, uh, according to all polls that were run. He talked about crime and public safety. And the need to improve that, he talked about taxes, and he was against doing a countywide reassessment. And he talked about jobs. You know, Allegheny County has lost fifty thousand jobs in the last five years. So he spoke to the issues that folks were concerned with. His opponent, she ran on the on the topic of abortion, even though the county executive has absolutely nothing to do or absolutely no say in regards to abortion and elections. And that was enough to drive up turnout to just over about 41% here in Allegheny County with the registration advantage they had. It was enough to get more of their voters to the polls than ours. So, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, you know, this is sort of a thing, it's sort of like a recipe for a great meal, okay? There are a lot of ingredients that are required. Like you said, you have to have a positive message. What are we for? You have to get it to the right people. But you also have to have that get-out-the-vote operation or infrastructure to be able to ensure that the people that are hearing that message and that do identify or do like it, okay, will take and vote early, if you said casting their vote in October, or get to the polls on election day. Because enough of them aren't today, and that's what's frustrating. I don't believe as a Republican that we're losing elections because we don't have the best candidates. I believe we absolutely do. I believe we have the best ideas. It's proven by there's not a single jurisdiction I'm aware of in this entire country that's run on progressive ideas that's actually prospering or succeeding. But yet the public elects them Based upon the way those candidates were packaged, how they sold fear that a right or rights were going to be taken away, and their extensive, you know, uh, get-out-the-vote infrastructure paid for by the significant uh, margin uh, they have in regards to money and resources. So, you know, again, um, those are the challenges that we have, but I absolutely do believe that we can win this. And as we look to 2024, I think, you know, in a presidential election year, we're going to have turnout. The challenge is going to be how do we identify the turnout or the voters on the margins that may not come out, you know, in what it will promise us to be a high turnout election.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, earlier as you were talking about, you know, the many things you're doing and and the way we go about it and the challenge versus the Democrats, I think there's a lesson to be learned. Uh, and I, I, I've, I've talked about this uh, on other radio shows and talked about this at meetings as well. And that is this, when, when we read polls, even some of them that we're reading now about next year's, uh, and, and a po- you know, polls have to be taken with a grain of salt. But when you read poll after poll that says, Voters are concerned about crime. Voters are concerned about inflation. Voters are concerned about uh, the open border. Voters are concerned uh, about uh, gas prices, right? And then you ask voters which party's is better. Um, sort of the good news, bad news for the Republicans is, is that voters are concerned about things that you and I are concerned about. And voters think that our party, as a general rule, most voters think that we would do a better job. The, the complicating factor is, and you talked about it in the county executive race, is that the Democrats have done a better job of stirring people's hearts. I mean, to sort of exaggerate the part is we win people's minds, the Democrats win people's hearts. And, and I think we need to find that balance of not screaming and, and not in, in, in inciting <laughs> protests. But we have to find a way of, of, of talking to people's hearts as well as their heads because every election is not necessarily a debate every de- every election is not a trial it is aspiration it is that you know what's what's america like uh, and how will it be better for me how will it be better for my family how will it be better for my community and i think the democrats as much as we're frustrated when they yell about abortion or they yell about democracy is to their supporters maybe not to ours, but to their supporters, that strikes their hearts and spurs them into action. Mm -hmm. So um, look, politics should be about ideas and there are real practical things. And as much as the two parties yell at each other over abortion and I'm pro life and I feel very strongly about that. There are additional issues, including what our children are learning and not learning in school the safety of our downtowns. And, you know, I've, I've been to Pittsburgh hundreds of times, and I know that downtown Pittsburgh, in some ways, is, is more barren than downtown Philadelphia. And both of them, both of them are a shell of what they need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opportunities in energy, uh, as everybody in your region knows, that are there in natural gas that Democrats want to just cap and forget and go away not realizing the harm it'll do to jobs, not realizing the harm it'll do to our national security. But to all those things, Sam, is that we can get up at the public library uh, and, and go to a town meeting and share them and people will nod their heads. If the Democrats get them standing up in their chairs and cheering, we're going to lose. And, and many people in the room are going to say, well, you know, I agreed with the Republicans on A, B, and C, but what drove me to the poll?" was with the Democrats. So we've got to find that balance of heart and head and recognize as do the Democrats. Some voters are not coming on board. You know, you, you and I hear the same speeches that that people like Sarah and Amarado gave, we hear the same speeches that that uh Sumner Lee gives, we hear the same speeches that Bernie Sanders gives and they don't motivate us to support them, they motivate us to find alternatives. But the lesson from our democratic friends is We've been trying to win people's minds, and they've been winning people's hearts, and that helps them get their voters to the polls. So if they're stirring more passion and they're using things like mail-in to get more of their people to the polls, there's two lessons we should take from our Democratic friends. Talk to folks' hearts and minds, and second, do a better job of getting more of our supporters to show up. Uh, we We don't want to steal their policies but we want to learn their tactics because they've been better at this than us. And our, our communities in our country has suffered because they've been better at it. We need to get better at it.
0: You know what? That's a great, great point guy, because, and this gets back to the, I mean, this has been a lifelong thing as long as I've been involved in politics is, you know, Democrats focus on emotion. Republicans tend to rely on facts and figures. And oftentimes, you know, uh, Republicans won't speak out about things that are happening in their community. They tend not to write the letters to the editors or the op-eds because it's like, well, I gotta make sure I dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and that everything's absolutely correct. <clears throat> Whereas Republicans, or excuse me, Democrats, many times will just say whatever and let the chips fall where they may. And A couple interesting uh, tidbits from this past election here. In Ohio, you know, where that amendment on abortion overwhelmingly passed, uh, Democrats were running commercials where they were bringing in real example, real-world folks, you know, women, who talked about what it would mean to them. Republicans were running commercials with Mike DeWine and J.D. Vance in it, okay? In Kentucky, where Andy Beshear beat uh, Daniel Cameron, uh, you know, again, you know, Democrats uh, were running a commercial with a woman that had been raped, and talked about what it would mean to force her to carry, you know, the baby to term if a ban was put in place. And uh, Daniel Cameron was running for the last week commercials of Donald Trump's endorsement. Uh, <laughs> you, you understand why yeah. those folks prevailed in those cases, you know? Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. That's what we need to change. So how do we convince our consultants? <laughs> okay who invariably end up pushing, uh, you know, these, these ideas upon the candidates that they need to change. That's well, a challenge.
1: I mean, yeah, that, that is a big challenge, but, but, but part of it, part of it is, is, is again, going back to learning and, and, uh, you know, I, I, there aren't many democratic policies that have won me over, over the years. Uh wearing any hat i've had in government or as a chamber president there aren't aren't many left wing policies that i say gee that's a neat idea but you have to i think we have to understand that while real lives and real real consequences on crime and taxes the economy energy national security our border are really at stake there is this gamesmanship to winning elections and picking a good candidate of good character with an ability to do their job is critical. Picking a good candidate with a good message is critical. At the same time as making sure that that candidate can connect with voters and that the team around that candidate is doing what they can to contact voters and get them to the polls. This is what we learn from the Democrats, because I'm biased. You know, you and I are biased. Right. I, I, I think, I think that if, if we, if if we moved out of Allegheny County for a second, and and we stopped people in in you know Knoxville Tennessee Columbus Ohio, uh, you know uh, Charleston West Virginia, and said we're gonna we're gonna show you two resumes from two candidates we're gonna show you two stump speeches from two candidates, you and I believe in our hearts that that take politics and party out of it most people would have picked most people would have picked Joe Rocky over Sarah, is, is that uh, but but because his life story was better, his experience was better, his grasp of the job was better, his focus on the job was better, all the things that you would want. But they did a better job of touching people's hearts. And once they touched them, they did a better job of getting them to the polls. So I hope that candidates notice that. I hope that party leaders notice that. And I hope the consultants catch up to that. And, and again, uh, bless our consultants, and, and they need a livelihood too. But I think they need to understand, you know, there are things from the other side we can learn. And, and while they may not be good at governing, they are very good at running and winning elections. And all too often in Pennsylvania, when races are decided by two or three points, they figure a way to, to squeak by. So we should learn from them in how they conduct themselves, which does not mean we ought to adopt their policies and doesn't mean we ought to do some of the what I see as destructive things, but they seem to do a better job of connecting with people's hearts, and they do a much better job of getting their voters to the polls. And from that, we ought to learn. Uh, and if we don't, uh, as they say, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. We've now had the 2020, the 2021, the 2022, and the 2023 election with new election rules on how people can vote. Our voters can continue to complain we don't like the change. We can be indignant and say we're not going to do it, but we keep losing too many close races and too many good people are falling to defeat. We've got to find a way to, to change our behavior so that we can get good people into office.
0: Well, I know in talking to you, and looking at John and Daryl here that you have four converts in the room you know we all we are all on the same page you know and we agree and uh, you know we'll, we will be evangelists I know John and I as we go out and we talk you know to the voters to the Republicans in Allegheny County here and across this great commonwealth to espouse you know what needs to happen you know for us to win it's again you have people that complain about their lives but you know vote the same way uh, and you know, you and I were talking again you know, the other day. Uh, it's, it's it's we have a polarized political atmosphere here, and everything has become tribal. And it's like you have Steelers and Browns fans, right? So you know they're going to vote yeah. for whoever wearing their color jersey, and not paying attention to what else is happening, you know, around that. So it's a very interesting.
1: Yeah, and and look, and and you've been constantly focusing on. Uh, I, I, you know, on, on ha- how to close the gap. And in some cases, you've been able to do it and others, you know, you've fallen short, but you never stop looking at how do we solve this puzzle? And that's a good thing. And, and more party leaders should do it. Look, to use a bad analogy, as I keep talking about, about football, but you know, um, when the Super Bowl happens, regardless of who the two teams are, about 90% of the crowd, goes there wearing the jerseys of one of the two teams and passionately cares, <laughs> you know, last year about the Eagles and the Chiefs or whoever it might be, right? The, the Steelers and the Cowboys. They, 90% of the people go there. With, but about 10% just want to see a great game and want to be part of the experience. But over time, because of the ebb and flow of the game or because of the excitement or because of whatever, that other 10% finds themselves suddenly cheering for one side or the other. Because they've been moved. And it's somewhat, not perfect, but somewhat like our elections. About 90% of the voters go into an election knowing that, barring something unusual, they're going to be supporting the Democrat or Republican, And the other 10% are observing and saying, who am I drawn to? Who touches me? Who, who should I cheer for? Who should I get involved in? And it's somewhat like that, and we've got to find a way to get those few people that aren't necessarily with us. But then, like a good a good sport, is uh, you know you have the Super Bowl uh, uh, crowd. So one part of it is when you want to make noise, is can you convince the ten percent that came in neutral to cheer? But the other is getting your people to cheer. You know, I'm a Phillies fan, and one of the the jokes during the playoffs here was that all the people that bought the $1,000 seat standing behind home plate, they were always in the camera. 99% of the stadium stood the whole game and screamed, but a lot of the people who had the VIP seats didn't stand. And they're sort of like our voters who were there for the <laughs> Phillies but didn't stand. And, and the rest of us would sort of yell at them and say, but you've got to stand. And that, again, is another analogy of the voting, right? All, most Republicans want the Republicans to win. You and I and and all the folks in the studio there in your committee are the fans standing and cheering and voting and encouraging. We gotta get the folks that are sitting. Well you're, okay? you're, you're analogy, we need you to stand too.
0: Well your analogy is so uh spot on because you know, when we look at our national elections, I mean Democrats are gonna vote for Democrats, Republicans for Republicans, it's the independents who are gonna make the decision and elect, you know, the next president or senator in the whatever it may be, right? So, you know, our messaging needs to not just resonate or appeal to the base, but it needs to appeal to those folks that you were talking about—you that ten percent that go to the stadium, you know—that, you know, they're not wearing the jersey of either team, but are just waiting for someone to say something or something to happen that moves them. We have to understand that, and we have to try to speak to them as well. And uh, therein lies an opportunity, you know, and a challenge if we don't relook at the way we're doing things today.
1: Agreed. And, and that goes back to the hearts and minds, right? We go back to the yep. very beginning of our conversation is we need the right message. What um, we need the right message. We need the right uh, messenger uh, and we need to do what we can to get people to go to the polls. And so it's all of those things, the right message, you know, a good candidate with a good message, and a way to communicate it to the voters. And then once you've made the sale to convince those voters to go to the polls, and as we've been talking, mail-in is another way to get people to the polls, to bank your vote, so that if you make something happens in life and you can't get their election day, your vote's been cast. And it's a way to not only vote for your candidate or the candidates you want to support, but it's a way to uh, almost make a a financial contribution because you're letting them save money to focus on the voters that haven't. Uh, and, And folks like you and me, Uh, continue to think about what's the, you know, who are the best candidates with the right message that can appeal to people's hearts and minds. And then what do we do as, as a party? What do we do as volunteers? What do we do as supporters to get as many of our supporters to the polls? Um, You know, uh, we, we, we just remembered uh, as we come up to the anniversary of the Gettysburg address, which is one of the most famous things that president Lincoln Mm -hmm. did uh, in a less well-known when he was a party official, President Lincoln had a handbook that he would give to Republican activists on how to win an election. And I hope not to bore your listeners, but I'll cut to the chase. Republican, uh, you know, party leader Lincoln, party leader Lincoln used to tell his uh, supporters, this is what we do. Look at the list of voters. Know who's with us. The ones who are unsure. Let's have someone talk to them about the things they care about to see if they'll vote for us. And then let's get all of our voters to vote. That was President Lincoln. Now, the Gettysburg Address, his second inaugural address, far more powerful, far more important. But even 160 years ago, before anyone thought about the internet, pop-up ads, or Google, President Lincoln, as a party leader, understood how to win an election. Know who your supporters are. Know who the undecideds are. Find a way to talk to the undecideds. And then once you've come up with your final list of supporters, do everything you can to get them to cast their ballot. It's 160 years later. The technology has changed. The money has changed. But the principle is the same. Our Democratic friends are better at it than us. We need to remember that we need to understand how to do it just as well to get good people to get, you know, the 2024 version of Lincoln and the party that he helped create to get them into office.
0: The concept is timeless. You're absolutely right, you know. Well, Guy, listen, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your wisdom here with our listeners in Allegheny County. You know, again, I hope to have you on again soon. I know you have a hard stop. You have to go. But uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time here, you know, uh, just after Thanksgiving, you know, join us on the show.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. And I said, talking it through with you and hearing your, your information as well does, does help me uh, as well. And for, for the listeners, uh, you can follow me uh, on social media, uh, on t- Twitter or now X at, at PA Suburbs Guy, uh, also on Facebook at PA Suburbs Guy. Uh, and if you have a comment or a suggestion, let me know. And then my columns, as, as Sam said, are at broadandliberty.com and Real Clear, Pennsylvania. But look, I look forward to continuing to discussing this, but I also look forward to the opportunity to come back and talk about some wins and about some good people we got into office to do the things we care about. So thanks for that chance, Sam.
0: No, you're welcome, and thank you. And, folks, I can tell you that I read Guy's articles, and those are the reasons why he's on the show. <clears throat> I highly suggest you go out and do the same. I think you can learn a lot, and uh, there's a lot of wisdom you know, coming out of Mr. Shiraki. Guy, thanks again, my friend. You have a great day. Thank you. Folks, as always, time flies when we're having fun here on The Elephant in the Room. Hope you enjoyed the show today with Guy Shiraki. Next time, I'll tell John not to speak so much, okay? Until next week, this is your host, Sam DeMarco, signing off. The Elephant in the Room on WJS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. Have a great day.